Talk Central is brought to you by TomTom Africa, a leading international enabler of accurate location-based platforms throughout Africa, offering innovative, comprehensive, and high-quality digital maps to businesses and governments. For more information, visit tomtom.co.za slash geospatial. I'm Richard van Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 130 for the week starting 20 July 2015. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, where you'll find South Africa's best technology journalism. That's right, Duncan. No headlines like Norwegian mass murder accepted to Oslo University. (laughs) (laughs) No, only relevant technology news on Tech Central. Um, On Talk Central this week, we talk about MTN's new CEO, and we talk about MTN going open access for fiber. Also this week, why Telcom is taking Casa to court over the Vodacom Neotar deal, and we chat about whether content customers should consider prepaid. Before we get to all of that, though, we need to pay the bills. We'll be back in just a moment. The Vox Telecom Cloud is the future of business. Developed from the ground up, it's a turnkey, fully managed approach to the cloud. It offers you guaranteed support, a national network with true redundancy, fully managed services across all layers, and most importantly, a single point of accountability. The Vox Telecom Cloud. It's how cloud should be. To find out more about the Vox Telecom Cloud, SMS your name to 45454 or visit voxtelecom.co.za. Standard rate supply. Well, welcome, Rechot. How's it going? Good, thank you. Recording on a Monday for a change mm. uh, makes a makes an interesting uh, change. So it's, yeah, there's no Friday, there's no weekend ahead of us. It's quite uh, quite it's quite depressing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only a week, only a week ahead of us. Um, anyway, let's get into it. Uh, quite a lot to talk about this week. Um, I think the biggest news over the last week is probably um, well, actually, there's some options to choose from, but certainly one of the biggest was the appointment of a new CEO in very short order mm. at MTN South Africa. This came. Literally a week after uh, MTN announced that um, its previous CEO, Ahmad Farouk, was resigning, um, according to the statement that came out at the time, for personal and family reasons, although a couple of days later it emerged on the wire services that he was becoming the new CEO of a major telco in Saudi Arabia. So uh, yeah. not, not really not really family reasons at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, relocating the family may be an issue. Yeah. Um, so... Anyway, uh, he, he'd been in the job for um, just un- actually less than a year and uh, left a, a rather checkered record, I think. Um, uh, left a, a terrible strike in his wake. Not his fault, probably, but um, certainly I think questions have to be asked about the way he dealt with it. Mm, mm. Um, certainly if you speak to insiders there, they say that um, he had a very abrasive management style and this probably didn't play very well with the uh, Communication Workers' Union strikers. Um, and I've got no doubt that that, uh, that strike probably played some um, some sort of role in his decision to leave. Mm. Um, um, but yeah, it's it's instability, more instability at the top of MTN South Africa, which has been through so many CEOs in recent years. I mean, we've gone from Carl Pinar to uh, to Zenaid Bulia, who was in the job for just a year as well, to Ahmad Farouk, and now to the new CEO, who was appointed in very short order. Uh, Mteto Nyati, who's so well known to both of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, former Microsoft South Africa MD. Um, and uh, fairly new in the telecommunications industry. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, he joined MTN only in October of last year to head up their um, enterprise business. So, really, their IT business, uh, their business IT services um, business, which they're keen to grow. 
uh, and very quickly in the space of what's it been less than nine months mm. he's mm. been elevated to the CEO position at MT in South Africa and an interesting choice I think he's not a traditional telco guy yeah. um, MTN could very easily have brought in someone from one of its other operations we even promoted someone from MTN South Africa it's telecoms business traditional mm. telecoms business itself to head up the South African operations but they've decided not to do that they've tried, decided instead to appoint someone whose who's experience really has been in in running the South African operations of large American IT multinationals. Mm. Maybe it's a good strategy, uh, you know, just, just to, to change up the thinking a bit. Maybe it could resolve some of the issues and then give it a new focus and direction. But um, That's an interesting choice because, um, you know, clearly MTN wants to grow its enterprise business. Um, and it's identified that as, as a key growth area into the future, um, as have other telcos. Um, but the bulk of MTN's revenues still come from consumer telecoms. Um, and that's an area where Mteto has no experience. Um, his experience is in, in business-to-business enterprise um, you know, management, client management, and that sort of thing. Not in, 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 in managing a mass consumer uh, audience. So it's an interesting, and we could probably even term it controversial uh, decision to appoint him to this position. Um, given his lack of experience in the consumer telecom space, but uh, I don't know, maybe he's the right guy to drive what where they need to drive, and that's um, that's into the sort of digital and and um, and enterprise ICT markets. And what was the experience like of the previous CEOs? Were they were they all they were all telco telco they were all telco guys? <coughs> yeah, I mean Zunaid Bupulia and Carl Pinar. Uh, were both amongst the first employees at MTN, so they're steeped in MTN history. Mm, mm. Ahmad Farouk came to MTN uh, via Investcom, which was that huge acquisition that MTN did in, I think it was in 2006, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they had operations. That's how they got all, all those operations in, in markets like Yemen and Syria <laughs> and and Afghanistan and Iran. Not Iran, sorry, but uh, you know a lot of those um, Middle Eastern markets and North African markets they got into through that uh, huge Investcom acquisition, which was led at the time by the then CEO, Group CEO of MTN, Patuma and Leko. Um, uh, he, he came to the business threat. And he, in fact, he spent a lot of time working up in West Africa. He headed up the Ghanaian operation for MTN for a while. And he also ran uh, Nigeria and also was vice president of the West African uh, region for MTN. Mm-hmm. And that, that is MTN's most important region in Nigeria, of course, being MTN's biggest and most profitable market. Uh, he was brought into MTN South Africa. I get the impression to sort out some of the mess here. Um, I think he was, he was you know, told to come in and know on certain terms, sort out what's gone wrong here in South Africa. Um, we, we don't really know if he's achieved any of that yet. Um, certainly, the strike action would have would have had some impact on on MTN's performance. But they're releasing their interim results for the six months ended 30 June on the 5th of August. So that's uh, what three weeks away? No, two weeks away. Um, so we'll, we'll get a, a good insight then, I think, of of the performance of the South African operation. And I think if it's performed particularly poorly, it'll give us some insight into into perhaps why Ahmad Farouk is leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it certainly doesn't look like he was fired, given that um, within days of the MTN announcing his resignation, he was appointed to head up a Saudi, Saudi Arabian yeah. telco. It, mm-hmm. it sounds like he's left of his own volition. Um, but, uh, but, you know, he may have, I don't know. Let's, let's not speculate too much let's see what the results say on the 5th of August but yeah, um, yeah. It, it's going to be the most interesting set of numbers I think for the South African operation in, in, in quite some time yeah and let's hope they, they, they get some of the small things right this time and, and keep their workforce uh, relatively happy I think that could be a, a big one something that they, they can't uh, 
you know, deal with again this year yeah. if, if it flares up again. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, it was interesting that within a day of Teto being appointed as the uh, new CEO of MTS South Africa, that he announced that the strike is over. <laughs> um, um, you know, the question is, did, did he just did they cave to this to the strikers' demands or? Um, you know, or was it just a case of the previous year and this and the CWU, the the union involved in the strike action, was it just a case of they would, couldn't deal with each other, and a new CEO mm. was always going to break the impasse, or mm. or what were they on the verge of do, doing this anyway, and he just happened to have been appointed at the right at, at a, a fortunate time when the strike yeah. would have been resolved anyway. And I suspect it's probably more of the latter, but yeah, yeah probably. You know, but uh, two weeks to the results are going to be fascinating to watch. Um, let's stick with MTN for a bit, um, Rechot. The announcement, um, uh, I keep saying this week, but we're not recording on a Friday, last week, <laughs> last week. that um, that MTN is going to uh, embrace open access for fiber to the home is a very interesting development. Mm. Um, uh, I've been hearing rumblings about them planning to do this for some time. Um, but you know, for a major telco uh, that um, I think detractors like to refer to as vertically integrated, yeah. <laughs> um, to announce that they're going to go for this approach, um, although we don't know how exactly how they define open access, and mm. I guess the, the proof will be in the pudding. Uh, but for a major telco operator to go for an, uh, for an open access sort of approach is quite interesting. Now the question is, are they going to go for a, the telecom definition of open access, which arguably isn't really open access, it just means... ISPs can resell infrastructure on an IPC type model yeah. or do they go for a true open access model which companies like Dark Fiber Africa and Vumatel and others promote uh, we don't really know that yet um, I suspect it's probably more of a telecom model than a Vumatel or a mm-hmm. DFA model mm-hmm. uh, but um, but it, it's, I think it's a positive development anyway um, yeah. and, and it effectively leaves Vodacom as, from, as far as I can tell is the only um, opera, big operator in South Africa that um, is certainly completely shunning the open access model in, in favor of that vertically integrated approach where they'll provide the fiber connection, the bandwidth on top of it, mm-hmm. the services mm-hmm. on top of that, etc. Which I don't think is the right way to go in this market. No, definitely not. And hopefully, hopefully this move by NTM does mean that uh, others, you know, the others that don't, like Vodacom, will follow suit. I mean, surely there will be some yeah. pressure somewhere along the line. Indeed. Let's I mean, just hope it's the right open access, like you said. Indeed, indeed. And I think consumers are getting wise. You know, I think the smaller guys are doing a lot of clever marketing around open access and telling the market what it's all about. And, and I think you're starting to see the residents associations and just individual consumers living in neighborhoods that are that are potential potential targets for um, FTTH rollout. I think they're starting to wise up to the fact that open access is, is, is in the consumer's interests and that the vertically integrated model is most certainly not in their interests. Yeah, yeah. I've been seeing a lot of chatter on Facebook in particular with the, the community groups um, or the, the, the residents associations groups yeah. uh, where people obviously ask the questions around um, the type of access but the conversation that usually stems off from that is what uh, consumers should go for or not go for yeah. and more often than not people have spoken about the open access um, then we know the more educated uh, uh, residents in those neighborhoods yeah. um, telling the other guys you know just kind of explaining to them what, what's what's the right way to do this yes um, and I think it is very good for, for the consumer to now understand uh, what's in their best interest mm. especially when they're choosing for the rollout uh, of fiber mm. in the neighborhoods mm. yeah indeed indeed so yeah, I mean the MTN move is interesting. MTN's fiber footprint is very tiny at the moment, mm-hmm. though. Um, I think they've they've committed to just a couple of neighbourhoods um, around the country. Um, the talk is that they've got a big rollout planned, but they haven't started that yet. Um, uh, but uh, you know, the more people 
talk open access, the more people adopt open access, whatever that definition is that they yeah, adopt yeah. it uh, under, um, I think is good news for consumers. Look, in whichever in whichever form they they do uh, do the the open access, I still think it's it's better than not having that on the op- on the table at all. Yeah, and I think it'll be much easier uh, move to go from the telecom open access yeah. uh, model to a truly open access model. Mm. If you if your thinking mm. is there, so. Yeah, I'm glad they're doing it. I'm glad they're doing it like this, and then they, they're happy to talk about it. Yeah, great stuff. Well, on MTN. So, um, sticking with big telcos, uh, uh, we all know that um, the Competition Commission and Casa have both approved the um, acquisition by Vodacom of Neotel, um, although both parties, both regulators, have imposed um, fairly significant conditions on, 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 uh, on the transaction going ahead. Um, Telcom, however, has now taken the matter to the um, to the High Court in Pretoria, uh, and is challenging, specifically challenging, ICASA's decision to approve the deal. Um, they've brought this on on what they're calling a semi-urgent basis. I'm not quite sure what that means. Um, for an interim order to suspend the implementation of the ICASA decision pending the resolution of a final review, they're arguing, in in essence, that ICASA screwed up. Um, that um, it didn't um, it didn't uh, apply its mind effect in effect uh, or didn't promulgate the necessary regulations I should say prior to adjudicating the transfer of the control of the license um, from uh, Neotel to Vodacom specifically the Spectrum licenses yeah. um, you know and the the issue of Neotel Spectrum is really the one that's the bone of contention. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, the argument is that, um, you know, that Vodacom shouldn't get access to Spectrum um, through an acquisition when other operators in the market are prevented from getting access to Spectrum through effectively government inaction um, over um, the, the, the the publication of policy for. Uh, for high demand spectrum, so uh, it's a it's an interesting case, and I think that this um, this court case has the very real potential, um, certainly to delay um, the Vodacom Neotel acquisition, mm-hmm. and potentially even to derail it. Yeah, and setting some really interesting precedents for uh, you know spectrum conversation going forward, mm-hmm. I guess, because a lot of it will will have ramifications um, yeah. based on what what the outcome is. Yeah. So we'll be watching that one, uh, that one very closely. We should have a, a, a judgment. Um, since it's being brought on a, I'm still not sure what a semi-urgent basis means, but um, we should have a judgment <laughs> in the coming weeks or months at most. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm sure um, Vodacom is watching this with a, a great uh, deal of concern. Cool. Uh, what else is happening, Richard? Um We've had this conversation about prepaid versus contract. Uh, you know, it's a conversation that that's that's always been floating around especially in the last two years or so since uh, you know there's been some really um, interesting prepaid offerings in the market yeah um, but yeah now we're talking uh, the, the report that was released this week or last week uh, uh, what was report uh, comparing um, prepaid versus postpaid options in South Africa's market um, and ranking them um, oh, this is the terrific uh, report that's been released yes, uh, that's terrific, uh, that's this morning, in fact. It's, um, oh, was it this morning? It was this morning, yeah. Uh, very interesting report, specifically looking at prepaid for the first time. You know, Terrific has always historically looked at, um, yeah, the, contract at the contract market, and they've done a, a specific breakdown for the prepaid market, and Telcom has emerged as the clear winner, which is interesting. Um, but it, it kind of reflects some of the other research that's been mm-hmm. done in this market um, 
uh, another company called uh, Terif- Ter- I think they're called Terrific. <laughs> some very similar names it's confusing terrific and terrific but um, it kind of reflects the research that they did as well um, in the prepaid space but um, you know uh, Telcom has emerged as the clear winner um, Celsius and MTN have come behind that and then interestingly Vodacom stone last um, in fact they didn't uh, score well, not a single one of um, Vodacom's plans managed to score in, what do they call it, the top value plans. Mm, mm. Um, and they blame that on its relatively high per minute and per SMS rates, uh, which is interesting. Uh, but it kind of doesn't surprise me. Um, you yeah, know, as a Vodacom yeah. customer, I feel I am paying over the, over the odds for access to their network, particularly on data. Um, and that's certainly not something that, I mean, when, when you think back a few years when contract was, you know, when you got a contract because that gave you the best Value, mm. you know, in terms of your call uh, call rates, and, and obviously the benefit of having a phone with that, even though you pay for it. Mm. Um, it's 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 a bit sad to see that you know there is really no incentive for contract customers anymore, really. And, and again, this is something we've been speaking about at least over the last two years. Yeah, do you go prepaid? A lot of do people have. Eh? A lot of people have gone prepaid. Are you, you're still on the contract. I'm still on contract. Why, why do you stay on contract? Well, for or are you me, thinking of moving? I'm, I don't know. For me, the, getting a phone, I mean, I wouldn't spend 15 grand on a phone every two years yeah. out of my pocket. It's yeah. just not what I, do, what I would do. I mean, I, I, I don't value it that much. Um, this allows me to get the latest and greatest phone every two years, and then I'm quite happy paying it off over that two period, even yeah. though it's, it's, it's more expensive. Um, but when it comes to the call rates, I mean, oh, the, the, the call rates, I'm certainly, that's, that's where the dispute comes in, because now I'm still paying more for my calls, and I'm not getting all those benefits. Yeah, um, yeah. It's yeah, you know, it's 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 a difficult one to weigh up if if you are deciding to go for it. Which one, you know, do you then hang on to your phone for, you know, and then mm. buy your own phone uh, every two years? It's, mm. It depends on how your budgets go, I guess, mm. um, and what you what you prefer doing. Um, but the, the cleverer move is certainly to go post paid. Yeah, certainly if you if you if you, paid, sorry. if you can manage those finances carefully and and and, and, and amortize the product the the cost of that phone yourself over the period. Yeah then um, it certainly makes sense to go prepaid. But if you want the operator to manage the, the, the amortization of that phone value over the mm, period, then mm. certainly you can allow them to do that, but you're probably going to be paying more over the long term. You will be yeah, paying more definitely. over the long term, yeah. And you also mentioned earlier about the international roaming, which is still a big a big thing, or international usage of your device. As far as I know, you can't roam easily if you're on prepaid. Yeah, I think you have yeah. to jump through a whole set of hoops, if it's even possible, I'm not sure. I don't, th- yeah, I don't think you, you can with any, with any of these packages. Uh, and then that is another big thing. We we both travelled or travelled quite a bit in our mm. time, and, and mm. that was always a big thing. You know, if you don't, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't want to go into mm. other country unless I'm going to be there for a while, mm. for example, mm. to get the local SIM card. So mm. I'm happy just to, to do minimal roaming yeah. um, for phone calls. I managed to get onto a Vodacom contract, which I know they don't advertise much uh, because I don't think they want people to really know about it. But it's there if you if you ask about it. What well, it was when I uh, when I got up, signed up for it, and that's a that's a um, a, a SIM only deal where you don't get the handset, but just on yeah. a contract. So I get a bundle of voice minutes, day and SMSs, uh, more SMSs than I could ever hope to use, um, uh, you know, on a monthly basis, on a 24-month contract. But um, the price, uh, the amount I'm paying is actually quite low because um, I supply my own handset. No, it's not four or five rand saving them immediately. I think I paid 350 rand a month for a gig of, I forget what it is actually, a gig of mm. data and uh, um, 250 minutes of voice and um, a thousand SMSs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is about all I really need. Um, I, I, phone, I phone a lot less than I used to, um, 
uh, you know, I tend to WhatsApp more now. And um, you you, are you a WhatsApp uh, WhatsApper? <laughs> <laughs> I live on WhatsApp. I, I mean, I use it all, all day long. Um, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, and I think the data play also comes in. I mean, that's, data is the actually is the thing that bugs thing, yeah. me now. Voice, uh, voice is is not, is not you know. I think fifteen years ago, uh, you know, voice. I used to conscious be conscious of how much time I spent talking on my phone. Now I, it's just it's not a, not an issue anymore. It just seems to become so cheap. It's not an issue, mm. but data is so damned expensive. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm, I always seem to be topping up and you know adding bundles and, and all the rest of it. And um, it's um, I think it's become the significant cost for anyone who owns a smartphone. And that's something I haven't done much recently because I'm on a contract and, mm. and my uh, I'm on an MTN contract, so my data is handled through Afrihost. I'm, I'm signed up with them, so oh, I manage my data through. Which which that setup for me works very well. Um, and you all do that through the same SIM. And I do it through the same SIM. Mm. I've got a second SIM on there too for for my iPad and for my wife's well for my wife's mm. iPad. So, and I can manage that data. And I can, if if more companies would just offer that functionality where you're in control of your data yeah. and you can top up and very easily from any device. Yeah, um, indeed, I really wish there were more um, high end deal SIM devices available and more readily available in the South African market. You know, like mm-hmm. an HTC mm-hmm. One M9, like a Sony Xperia Z3 like uh, iPhone doesn't do deal some no, devices but I, I wish there were more of those sort of devices available in the market because you know I think it would make sense to to stay with for Vodacom for example for your voice service but yeah, put in a second yeah. SIM that's for your data only linked to say Telcom but that's exactly the reason why these guys the don't operators do don't want to do it I, I remember a few years Vodacom ago Vodacom and MTN sell C-Rangers uh, deal some devices that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember working working for a handheld manufacturer a few years ago um, and when they wanted to bring in dual SIM phones I thought it was the most incredible thing ever mm. and, and it seems like such a logical uh, logical solution, um, and it is all over Africa. Dulcim is, is exactly, the big thing exactly. in Africa, but it's but, MTN and Vodacom refuse to range them in South Africa. But that's the thing. Back then, when I was asking the question, why don't we launch this device in South Africa? It, it, the, the, the simple answer was the operators don't want to buy it. Yeah, um, as as much benefit as what it would be for their own customers yeah. too. Yeah, um, and it's it's just yeah, taking away that competition within with within their own customers, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Sad, but uh, we we seeing we seeing some but change in, in that now. We seeing some more devices. And increasingly, um, increasingly, people aren't relying on um, aren't relying on on the the operator to get their handset. Mm, so mm. things like the Orange Store have really been, I think, very helpful to South African yeah. consumers because yeah. you can you can go buy a device for uh, for cash from somewhere else and then take that device to your operator and then select the package that you want that, that best fits around that device. Yeah, true. Um, true. And you can get those dual SIM devices through places like the Orange Store. Although, um, you know, they, I think they're, you know, they're still not, I'm still not seeing that sort of high-end, um, you know, Androids that are, you know, that people, you know, typically on contract would want. Um, they tend to be more sort of mid-tier price devices yeah. and, and then yeah. lower. Um, which I think is unfortunate. I mean, if I could get my hands on, say, a Sony Xperia Z3 or a, or um, HTC One M9, or mm, I'm just trying to think mm. what some of the, you know, the Samsung Galaxy S6 mm, or mm. you know, what devices in those sort of classes, dual SIM, I'd absolutely go for it and get a second SIM for my data. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. What about? I mean, the solution obviously is your your Wi-Fi dongle, right? Your your portable little. Um, yeah, that is that is a solution. But it's not but you, really a. Solution. It's not really a solution because you know you don't really if you want to lug that thing around with you. If you're uh, true, true. out in the middle of nowhere, if you, I mean, I go do a lot of trail running. I don't want to have to. Yeah, if I want to post pictures to Facebook from the middle of nowhere, yeah, then switch that on yeah, first. And I don't really want to. It's a bit of a sloppy solution. Exactly, but, uh, exactly. Um, 
but the, but that that dongle is absolutely uh, crucial as well because you know um, I, I do a lot of work on the road and mm-hmm. you know I I, I, I use Afrihos mobile data through MTN sure, sure. Um, because the amount of data I use every month it's it's actually mobile data is now I'm using about probably an average between five and seven gigabytes mm-hmm. a month mm-hmm. and on Vodacom it's prohibitively expensive. <laughs> um, you can only do it through an alternative provider. And that's why I've, I've been quite happy with with my contract at MTN over the last probably 15 years that I've had it. it it's and and it's fortunately for me it's just fallen into place and works the way I needed to work, especially yeah. with the Afros coming mm. on board and I mm. can do my data. If it wasn't for that, it might have been a, I might have had a different conversation today. But mm. um, data is the biggest thing, and then fortunately I can get my data at a good price, so the rest is kind of yeah negligent, ah, negligible. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, every host is probably the subject for another podcast. Another conversation, <laughs> yeah, but we'll get to that. Anyway, um, um, let's, let's move on to our regular segments then, uh, Rechot. Um, you wanted to chat about this week's winner. Yeah, so, I mean, there's, if, if you haven't heard about uh, the Pluto flyby, you're certainly living on a, under a rock. Um, but it was <laughs> NASA's New Horizons um, launch. Um, that's been, it's a project that was nine years in the making. Uh, they launched in January 19, 2006. Um, sending off this uh, space probe. Yeah, it's been almost 10 years. Eh? You know, yeah. Almost 10 years in the direction of NASA and uh, in the direction of Pluto. And, I mean, if you think about the engineering that must go into, it's a, remarkable. Uh, into a mission like that. It's remarkable. What, what, what amazes me most, and it's not the first time that NASA's done this, but um, it still blows my mind that they can actually do this with such pinpoint precision. Mm. Basically, they blasted this thing off towards Jupiter. Yes. And then they spun this, they used Jupiter's gravity to accelerate this thing up to some ins- insane speed. I forget what it is. They did like, it for the Mars probe as well, the same, the yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah same they do. They, they, they often use, uh, they've often used Jupiter's gravity. It's not a new technique that they're using for this particular mission, but it's still pretty amazing that they can, they can blast off and I actually, I, I think I posted something on Facebook about this the other day. In fact, let me, let me, let me bring it up because it's just an amazing stat. Um, but um, just bear with me a sec. Um, if you, um, here it is. Uh, one second. Um, but I mean, the f- and then the fact that they can communicate with yeah. with uh, satellite this far. I mean, yeah. that's that's absolutely that's incredible. also amazing. Yeah, and the, the data transfer speed. Did you did you, did you see? <laughs> yeah, that? yeah. It takes, well, it takes a while for the high res photos to get to us. One kilobit per second. Ah, that's crazy. That's <laughs> it's crazy. lower than dial up. Fifty-six k. Slower. Lower than fifty-six k. One fifty-sixth of that. Um, quite amazing. So, yeah, the, the, what I posted on Facebook, I, just, I, I, I really summed it up for me. Was so human beings launched a spacecraft nine and a half years ago, aimed it with deadly accuracy into Jupiter's gravitational field, in order to accelerate it to forty-five thousand kilometers an hour and slingshot it towards a tiny dwarf planet five billion kilometers away from its starting point, only to graze past said dwarf planet at a distance of just twelve thousand kilometers, while taking high-quality photographs and sending these back to Earth. We're not a stupid species. No, certainly not. I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> phenomenal, phenomenal that we can do that. And, and if you think of the technology, nine years old. I mean, what do we have now? Yeah, that's nine years old. That's still working. Very, <laughs> apart from your, apart from a potentially old, probably not your phone. Probably not your phone. In fact, my TV isn't nine maybe years old. Maybe if it was my made t- by Nokia. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe Nokia built the spacecraft. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what a phenomenal achievement! That's yeah, fantastic, uh, and it's and the mission's not over. It's going to go into the Kuiper Belt now and continue taking pictures and taking measurements and all sorts of things. So, um, but it's the first time. It's amazing. The first time that humanity has ever seen um, high-resolution images of Pluto before 
all we had was the highest images, quality images we had were from the Hubble Space Telescope, and they weren't high quality yeah, at all. They were very pixelated. You, know, you couldn't see any detail on the surface. And uh, for a bit of a laugh, you can also check out the photographs that people have uh, manipulated with uh, Pluto's face on it. And there's, oh, yes. there's, there's some really cool uh, Pluto the Disney of character, that. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah Pluto yeah. the Disney character. Um, it was interesting that the first picture they sent, high resolution picture they sent back, um, showed a, what looked like a giant heart on the surface of the planet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as well, which was quite interesting. Um, still speculating about what exactly that... Um, was what, what what exactly caused that on the on the surface? But amazing too to see some of the um, some of the, the detail coming back. Given how tiny this planet is, I mean it's a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction the size of the Earth. Um, but it's got uh, mountain ranges on it that are higher than the Drakensberg. Oh, that's phenomenal. Um, and they suggest that the planet is still um, ge- you know geologically active. Uh, the mountain ranges are actually fairly new hmm. in hmm. you know in in. It's certainly in in terms of the age of the solar system. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's certainly by by no means going to be a summer destination. I mean, that's going to be a cold planet for oh, yeah. <laughs> forever. I know, yeah, no, indeed. <laughs> yeah. But fascinating. Ninth Absolutely rock fascinating. from the sun. Yeah. That's a ninth rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not officially a planet anymore, though. Yeah, sadly. Mm-hmm. But uh, at least it's still getting a lot of attention. Was when did when did when was it decommissioned as a planet? Two thousand and five, I think. Oh, so this was sent out after. Oh no no no! Hang on hang on hang oh. on! It was no, it, no I actually read about this. It was so it was blasted off. The 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 the, the probe went up in two thousand and six, and I think it was just a couple of months after the probe went up that uh, they decided that it was no longer a planet. I'm sure there was one engineer that was fearing for his job at that point. Do you still go ahead with this or not? <laughs> well, it was already in space. On, so, on yeah, the way, yeah. It was on the way, so no, no pulling back. Um, although I'm sure the, the, the guy behind the project, I forget his name, but um, the guy who really um, motivated for this and sort of led the project, um, I'm sure he was very disappointed when they decided yeah. that this was no longer a planet. But it certainly paid off. I mean, if you see the, the amount of hype and... and mm. I think this, you know, just looking at the achievement uh, that this yeah. is, and uh, yeah, the, the reason it's not a planet, by the way, I was wondering about this. Well, they decided it wouldn't decided um, not to classify it as a, a planet anymore. What do they call it now? Planetoid or something? Planetoid, yeah. Um, is that it, it intersects with the um, with the um, the orbit of Neptune, which is the eighth planet from the sun. Yes, okay. Um, okay. So at times, it's actually the eighth planet from the sun, and or the eighth. Let's call it the eighth um, body from the sun. Mm. Um, and Neptune is 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 actually further away. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Um, so it's kind of in no man's land. It's yeah. part of the part of its journey, and now the time yeah. it's in a, in a. So presumably, at some point uh, in the future, well, I'm not sure what the chances are statistically, but it's probably extremely tiny. But um, I, I guess at some point in the future, um, unless there's some other cataclysmic event before them. Uh, I guess the Pluto and Neptune will collide if they um, intersect their orbits. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that's correct, but um, but one would imagine that would happen. It would make for an interesting YouTube video, that's for sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hopefully, we've got a um, you know the Hubble four is up by then. We can watch it in real time. Yeah. Streaming from. Oh yeah. Super <laughs> HD on your 16K television. <laughs> anyway. So that's our winner this week, NASA and the new Higher Horizons um, probe of Pluto. Uh, our loser this week um, is Mweb Business for their catastrophic data center failure, which occurred at the weekend. Um, in fact, IT Web was reporting uh, today that um, anyone who had data in there wasn't um, the mm. customers hadn't backed up have in fact lost their data. Um, so that's catastrophic. I mean, that, that is a catastrophic screw up. Um, and not something that's good for your PR. I mean, let's be honest. You no. don't want to be with a. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so you know, I mean, 
yes, I, mean, I, I, know, I know that accidents happen, but geez, do you, you know, you man, it just raises all sorts of questions about, you know, redundancy and, and um, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a data center engineer, but, um, you know, things happen. But, uh, but, but surely you have systems in place to recover from some from a catastrophe like that yeah, uh, yeah. you know actually customers just physically losing their data um, uh, yeah look I mean, something major must have happened yeah. because I mean short of uh, something happened the whole, to their virtual machine in, in infrastructure apparently um, a lot of small clients in there a lot of um, I think that anyway business hosts a lot of um, SME mm, websites mm. and that sort of thing. But um, even even more so I mean the services that I host with other service providers I mean those things are backed up mm. Uh, even even though it's not part of their core service, it's backed up. Um, there is redundancy. Mm. There's raid. I mean, if one or two customers lose, it's one mm. thing. But if all of them, you know, it, it must have been massive. And, yeah. and it's it's yeah. The fact that yeah. they didn't have redundancies in just as a contingency yeah. is is yeah. is telling. I think. Yeah, it's it's spectacular stuff up and um, uh, heads ought to roll actually over something oh, like yeah. this oh, the yeah. scale. Yeah, and I really feel sorry for those small businesses that. Uh, I mean, you could potentially close down if, if you have your your, yeah. your work and your business yeah. on that server. Yeah, yeah. Not I mean, good at all. to be fair, I mean, if you're if you're a customer, you should ensure that you have backups in place. But um, many small businesses aren't going to do that. I mean, they okay, they've got a website, you know. Hmm. The, you know, on many of them, it probably won't have much of an impact. You know, quickly redevelop it, but um, it's an inconvenience. No, of course, but that's what I'm saying. On the small for small business on these shared hosting platforms yeah. and services, I mean, yeah. it's it's much easier to provide redundancy for these than for dedicated or managed servers. Yeah, yes, yeah. they're generally a different beast. But anyway, I wonder. I mean, I don't want to speculate here, but it's possible that it could have been something like a crypto locker that that could ruin an entire entire array of servers quite easily. Yeah, yeah. Not that you know, not that it was that but uh, you never know mm. something mm. more malicious than just a, a server crash mm. or a s installation crash yeah I don't think anywhere business can um, try and brush this one under the carpet there needs to be a full um, comprehensive and probably open report on mm. exactly mm. what went wrong and what they're doing to ensure it never happens again <laughs> yeah well the fact that it happened once is once too many right yeah, yeah so, indeed indeed yeah. indeed Anyway, that's our loser of the week, Mway Business. That's quite a spectacular one. <laughs> Ouch. Um, cool. Uh, what's your pick this week, Rahul? So I've, um, I'm going to change my pick from what I originally said to you because um, I, I just remembered we were speaking about the Pluto flyby. I don't know if you heard much about Google Jump. No. So and Google is busy, and, and this is a, a technology that they're going to soon be making available to, to anybody to, to make use of. Yeah. Um, but essentially, this works in conjunction with the uh, cardboard and also with YouTube. Now, what Google Jump is, it's an array of, it's so they've got this design that can fit a GoPro um, or, or any other action camera, really. Um, but with this array of, you, you create 16 cameras. Now, they've oh, obviously heard, created this, this, the yes. formula for mm, this, and, mm, and this is why it's mm. 16 cameras with a specific field of view. Um, and then what this allows you to do is to shoot video in, in not in three three dimensions, but in three D all around you, where you can scroll around uh, in a moving video. And if you go to YouTube and you search for three D video, you'll see a lot of Google Jump. So it makes it immersive. You mean immersive? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, some of the some of the footage uh, that you can see online is of cars racing. So it's a it's a full on video that you can watch. Um, and then within that video that you watch, you can also scroll the screen sideways. Um, oh well. So there's a music video out there as well that you can that you can look at. So you look at it, uh, and then wherever the camera's focused, you can pan and uh, pan and 
pan sideways at least mm, uh, mm. to see any any angle of that. Okay. Uh, it's very fascinating. Um, from from what it looks like, it's going to allow you to obviously shoot the video using this. Uh, you can 3D print this. I know GoPros actually bring out a mount for it, but uh, okay. y- you will be able to print one yourself and, and fix any action camera to it. Right. Um, and then upload the video to YouTube. I think what they're going to be doing is allow you to upload the video and then they, with their processes, obviously, and their algorithms, right. stitch this thing together because that's going to be the most uh, complicated part of it uh, to overlap these 16 cameras so you get that fluent video experience. Right, right. But it's absolutely fascinating. I think what this is going to allow, not only for, for action videos uh, akin to what Re- uh, you t- uh, Red Bull Media does, yeah. but this is going to make for very immersive, uh, immersive videos. Yes. Um, Cats notwithstanding. <laughs> yeah, we have got a cat um, fight going on here. But uh, yeah, go check it out. Google yeah. Jump. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to when uh, the technology becomes available for me to play with. And I'll certainly be bringing you some videos on that uh, so we can play with it. Where are you going to get the 16 GoPros from? <laughs> no, I'll probably get some Garmin verbs. I know some people. So oh, right. that, that okay. will work a bit easier. Okay, um, okay. But yeah, once you once you get 16 cameras, so yeah. yeah, this is... Yeah. Be a nice 16, 16 GoPros is going to be kind of pricey. <laughs> yeah, 16, I think GoPro is putting a lot of marketing effort behind this, and, yeah. and it's nice to see that somebody's pushing this. Mm. Obviously, Google does need a, a partner to come board. Yeah. But um, looking at how, how popular sports action f- uh, videography has become, yeah. um, this is a natural evolution. And yeah. I can guarantee Imagine what you could do if you attach that thing to a drone. Oh yeah, that could be interesting. That could be very interesting. Um, your drone will—you'll you'll need to get something like the the steady drones that can take a payload of probably fifteen to twenty kgs. Yeah, it's not going to be. be drone, yeah, no, no, no. But then, if you can afford sixteen GoPros, then you could probably afford to the drone to go with it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, this is this is going to be used for 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 advertising. I think it's going to be big with this, and and guys like Red Bull Media, they can put mm. a lot of money behind this. Mm. Um, it, it's kind of like a reverse bullet time. It's probably the best way to sum it up. Yeah, um, but it's very cool. Yeah, I'm just thinking. Very, you attach that to a cool. drone, you could get some great coverage of uh, surfing competitions. Oh yeah, especially ones yeah. down in Jeffrey's Bay where the surfers are getting eaten by sharks. <laughs> <laughs> some real action coverage. <laughs> some real action. Yeah. yeah. No, it's absolutely fascinating, and yeah, keeping on, keep on it. Great stuff. Cool. My pick this week is actually a finance pick, um, and um, it's a, a bit of an unusual one. Um, I'm certainly no fan of the MSN website, uh, which has mm. been around for ages, and by Microsoft. But um, they've put out some interesting apps for Android. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how long this um, app has actually been in the store, but um, I've installed it about a week ago. Uh, it's the MSN Money app for Android, uh, and it's really good, um, surprisingly good. Uh, um, better, in fact, than Google's finance app uh, for Android, hmm. um, and it includes uh, South African. Uh, I use it to, to track track shares that you know shares that I'm interested in and shares that I actually have investments in as well. And it's got all the JSE shares on there, um, as well as shares from all over the world. Um, you can track markets, uh, stock exchanges around the world, get the latest news relevant to you, etc., uh, etc. Et um, create watch lists. Um, but the reason I think I like it mostly is uh, well, apart from the fact that it's got all the South African data in there as well um, is is the is its design it's really beautifully designed it's a good looking um, app and when you drill down into graphing um, mm. if you go into a particular share and, and you can really um, pull, pull up um, graphs of, of um, you know historical graphs on share, share share prices and stuff and unlike many other sites especially local sites I find um, which which you know some still use JavaScript to uh, to, to, to draw these these awful looking graphs, um, the, better than Flash though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's um, 
it's it's a, it's a good looking app. It's it's mm-hmm. um it's it's got it's got South African data. Uh, lets you drill down into all sorts of um, metrics. It gives you market cap, uh, P ratios, other other financial metrics that investors look at, um, and the share pri- the share graphing functionality is great. So um, that's my pick of the week. It's MSN Money. Uh, I'm sure it's in the iOS uh, or the Apple Store, but I haven't checked. Um, uh, you know, Microsoft really cross-platform these days, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, uh, it's certainly available in the Play Store. Uh, Rechaz just uh, having a look quickly in the um, Apple Store to, uh, to see if he can find it there, in the App Store rather. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, there as well. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, so yeah, that's my pick of the week. If you um, invest in shares um, and you'd like to keep an eye on the markets, I can recommend it. Perfect. Right, I think that's all the time we have for this show. Um, as always, if you've got any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at info at techcentral.co.za or leave a comment under the under the podcast. Until next time, from Rechard and myself, take care. Ciao. Ciao.